Thank you for tuning in. Today's topic is going to be the cycle of inequality in education and schooling districts. I'm Nikki Street. And I'm Vega Sherman Seitz. In the podcast today, we will be going over topics such as segregation, integration, inequality, and the struggles families face with sending their children to school. A lot of children face many setbacks in their education because of discrimination and the perpetuating cycle that keeps them at the bottom. Discrimination is actions based on one's prejudice, and prejudice is virtually just our prejudgments based on other social and racial groups. Prejudice is something we all have and is sometimes inescapable. It is very hard not to look at someone and judge them based on first impressions and preconceived notions that you have about them. I personally know that when I see any suspicious-looking figure on the street when I'm walking, I cross over to the other sidewalk. This is an example of prejudice in our daily lives. Right, I agree, and I do the same thing, such as when I'm meeting someone new and I judge them based on the way they look and carry themselves. Now, these are little prejudgments that aren't really hurting anyone. It's not like me and Nikki are going into the world and doing violent things to these people that we don't know. We use these prejudgments to protect ourselves against people that could possibly harm us. Now, the prejudice and discrimination we're going to be talking about when dealing with schools is much more harmful than these small thoughts that we keep to ourselves. Prejudice and discrimination is a huge part of our history, especially when talking about race. It is a part of our history that we cannot ignore. It is very hard for a citizen in America of low economic standing to achieve things when the odds seem to be stacked against them. Robin J. D'Angelo and Alan Lane both write about this topic. Specifically, they write that race was created to keep the whites above all the other races. Most non-whites started off in this country as slaves. We have the enslaved African Americans until 1865 when slavery was abolished. But this did not mean that African Americans were in the clear. They were not allowed citizenship or to have basic human rights for a very long time. And then we have the more modern versions where we see Latino and other races working below minimum wage jobs just to get a foothold in this country. When looking at racial prejudice in the education system that is currently in place, it is important to think about how we got here. The main problem with this is the systemic racism that is rooted in the educational system. Non-white children have had to suffer for a very long time to even achieve a basic education, and in most instances, it was not equivalent to the education white children were getting and are still getting. When Mexicans first arrived, they were placed in segregated schools, meaning they were not allowed to attend white schools and were only allowed to attend schools that were for them, which typically were not up to par with the white schools. In the article, Mendez versus Westminster School District, How It Affected Brown v. Board of Education by Frederick P. Argyle, we see a specific case of school segregation with the Mendez family. When they moved to Westminster, they tried to enroll in a white school nearby, but were turned away. At the same time, Gonzalez Mendez was trying to enroll his children in school. His sister was enrolling his nieces and nephews. They were not turned away, however. They were more fair-skinned and had a different last name than their cousins, so they made it into the school. In this case, it was the difference of skin tone and last name that made it so his children had to attend schooling in what was basically an old wooden shack. Well, their cousins got to go to a school within viewing distance that had much better facilities. It had green grass for one and a playground. Most Mexican and white schools at the time were very close to each other, usually side by side, separated by a field or even an electric fence. Mexican-American kids often had recess in empty dirt lots that were directly in view of beautiful, clean playgrounds at the white schools. His daughter, Sylvia, along with many of her peers, often dreamed about going to beautiful white schools. Sylvia was lucky, though. Unlike many of 
other families facing similar circumstances, she had a father who did not agree with what was going on and who decided to speak out against this. He put together a court case with David C. Marcus, and together they found other platons to support the case. Now, they were not the only family to try to do this, but they were the first to achieve actual legal change statewide. In the year 1919, when segregation first became an official policy within schools, many parents went before a local board of education to, pro to protest the development of the schools, but nothing was truly ever done about the concerns. Eventually, they won their case, and they were able to set up legal prejudice for the eventual ruling of Brown v. Board of Education in years to come, which outlawed segregation in schools in America. After the Brown v. Board of Education case, we no longer have legal segregation in schools. But as we, we all know, the country didn't just turn around automatically. When the Supreme Court made that decision, it is still a very current problem in many places. In The Problem We All Live By by Hannah Jones, Nicole, she says, in most of the thousands of poor, segregated schools in America, that would be it. Your zip code is the anchor that traps you. What do you think she means by this, Vega? What she means by your zip code traps you, I think, is that she's referring to a modern-day version of educational segregation. Not all schools are the same, and not all schools receive the same funding and materials. More often than not, schools in poorer neighborhoods have less resources than others. So if you are living in a poorer neighborhood and you are forced to attend a school in your district, you will probably be going to a school that won't offer you as much as others outside of your district in more rich areas. If you do not have the means to drive to another school district or cough up the money to attend a private school, you may be stuck in a district that does not meet the basic standards for education. In the case of Normandy School District, kids were forced to attend a school that was not accredited. Accreditation refers to the action or process of officially recognizing someone or something as having a particular status or being qualified to perform a particular, a particular activity. In reference to schooling accreditation, it is how schools are judged. Schools must meet a, minim, a minimum of requirements that are set out by each state, and if they do not, they lose their accreditation. This is exactly what happened in the Normandy School District. Schools in Missouri get accredited by the state, and almost every district is accredited. But if a district is doing really bad, they get put on notice. This is called provisional accreditation. Normandy was on provisional accreditation for 15 years, meaning that there were entire classes of students who came in as kindergartners and graduated 12 years later without ever having attended a school that met state standards. In 2013, Normandy lost their accreditation, which led to an accidental integration because of the transfer law, which states that if a school is not accredited, they must pay for the transportation and education fees for the children in their district to attend a school in a different district. For many of these students, it would be the first time they would receive an education that met the standards. The Normandy School District was paying almost one million a month to send these kids to a different school. So when the opportunity came for them to become a non-accredited school instead of an unaccredited school, they took it and all the children were sent back to the poor conditions. Just by simply changing the name from Normandy School District to Normandy Schools Collaborative, it completely redirected the integration and forced the students back to Normandy again, setting their education back as well. The Mendes family fought so hard for their children to receive an equal and quality education, and Sylvia Mendes is still fighting and speaking out for these basic things today. We can see why when the case of the Normandy District was just recently in the year 2013. While we only have time to bring your attention to two cases, there are many others from the past and other cases that are happening still today. 
The issue is this, is that the foundation of your future in this country is based on your education. When you already have present hardships in life, such as racial prejudice or many struggles that, individ many struggles that individuals of low economic standards have, it is already harder to succeed. When these less fortunate students are all placed in the same school and others are able to receive a better education, it causes a big setback for these people who are already struggling. Public schools run off of taxes that are provided by each individual district. So it makes sense that districts of lower economic levels, schools do not have the same facilities or even educators because they do not have the same kind of funding. Your primary school education affects your secondary school education and your secondary school education affects whether or not you choose to attend a university and better your future. It is very hard to get a stable, well-paying job without a college education nowadays. This means that when all the children are sent off into the job markets, it is harder for those who attended lower-income schools. Many students facing these hardships did not receive very good grades or had much of a motivation in school, which made it very hard for them to attend college, and most of these students didn't even see college as something they could do. Because of this, they are forced to take minimum wage paying jobs that don't require a degree and are just sent back into this negative cycle of disproportionate wealth. This then causes the cycle of inequalities in education to restart as those with minimum wage jobs will have to send their children to the same kind of schools they were forced to attend. It is clear that the problem of the past are still affecting students of the present. There is much more work that needs to be done to ensure that all children receive a quality education. The main issue that we see with present day cases is that not everyone is aware of the problems because not everyone is faced with them. When awareness is brought to these issues by individuals speaking out or a podcast like this, it makes change seem much more achievable and necessary. Thank you for tuning in today and I hope you take away the importance and severity of this issue.